Welcome to the Creative Entrepreneur Show, our 500th episode over 15 years, which means we are the most inconsistent podcast over the last 15 years and maybe on the internet, but we've been doing a really good job, especially because we have my co-host, Brian Scott. And Brian Scott, who is it that we have with us as a special guest in our big show? Rosh, I'm I'm happy to be your consistency partner. And yeah, we're at our 500th episode and we brought one of our favorite people in the whole world. We brought Mr. Robert Bauer, the owner of Goofy Faces. This is a national caricature artist company. And he happens to be a co-client of uh, Rosh and myself and someone whom we have a lot of respect for. And uh, he's reached the proverbial top of the mountain, if you will, for the uh, creative entrepreneur. Robert, how are you today? I am never doing better. Thank you so much uh, for having me on your special number 500. That's a big deal. It is a big deal. And and we like you even for more reasons than you pay us. <laughs> we, we, we like you for many reasons. And, and one is that you really do. And, and he's not sponsoring this show. <laughs> he is a client. But we, we wanted to bring him on because he really does represent what we're talking about here. He's a character artist and he has taken it to a national level, um, deciding that I think there are a lot of artists who think they have to be a starving artist, but unfortunately starving artists don't get to be artists their whole lives. And so that's why I think uh, that, that Robert is such a good example of um, what you can do. And so before I talk too long, let's just get into Robert. Tell us about yourself and in, you know, how, how do you get to where you are now? Well, thanks, Rosh. Um, well, I've been an artist pretty much my entire uh, life, let alone career. I will preface that with that the, as long as I've ever wanted to be an artist, when I started to consider it as a realistic uh, career goal back in, let's say, high school, I wanted to do it from a business standpoint, a commercial standpoint. I wanted to be like a commercial artist, like a graphic designer or a freelance artist. Um, I wasn't that interested in being a fine artist. I will make that distinction. There are many fine artists out there who are incredible with what they can do. And I hang out with quite a few uh, artists that would consider themselves fine artists. Um, but it is uh, a different lane than than what uh, I kind of keep myself busy with doing. And um, many of the other artists that I hang out with, you, you've got animators and caricature artists and uh, character designers, uh, cartoonists, um, comic book illustrators. All of us uh, tend to kind of fall into a, a, an illustration category. They're illustrators. And for some reason, somebody way back in the day said there are illustrators and there are fine artists and they're two different different uh, silos, if mm -hmm. you will. I don't know that I believe that 100%, but that's kind of the reality in my world is that uh, fine artists kind of, some of them, not all, but some of them aren't interested in selling their work in such a way that they're solving a problem for clients. They want to express themselves because that's what fine art is all about, um, which is all fine and good. And I know many successful commercial artists that can do fine art on the side. And that's the thing that I've always said to any artist. It's like, well, I don't feel like compromising my art. It's like, you know, you can make art every minute of every day. 
you can make some of it for other people. And then when you're not on the clock, do it for yourself. What's the problem with that? That to me is not a compromise, but right. Um, so I just, I wanted to say that as a preface, if you have artists listening to this and they go, well, you know, that doesn't apply to me. It's a very wide topic. You know, there, you could fill a room with 20 different artists that have nothing in common with each other. You know, some that are sculptors, mm-hmm. some that are animators, some that are video game designers. It's all art. It's all creativity, which is the kind of cool part. We're all, we're all in it about uh, expressing ourselves creatively, doing something creatively. Um, I've been drawing caricatures uh, for over 37 years now. And um, it's not the only thing that I do creatively. I, as you guys know, you both help me with my business. There are so many creative aspects of that. That's not visual. That's not some someone would not consider it art that I find um, just as satisfying to sink my teeth in as I do uh, trying to to draw a picture, you know, and, and do all that. Uh, there are there's a there's even just if you just were to pare it down to just caricature artists, you can fill a room with a, a bunch of caricature artists. In fact, we do that once a year. We fill up a ballroom with about 200 caricature artists. And the diversity amongst that group in itself is amazing. That's like, well, they're all caricature artists. They all they're all the same. It's like, no, there are some caricature artists. They they do festivals and they love to draw people outrageously and they work live and they travel around the country and they're young and they've got energy. And then there are other artists that just do studio work or they do commission work and they're illustrating uh, major publications and magazines and they don't have anything in common when the ones that are doing festivals. And then there are artists similar to me that like drawing live at events. We get paid by the hour. We're like entertainers where we're drawing quickly and the art is, is is good, but it's not like a commission piece because we only spend a few minutes on it. And we're looking for a reaction from the person that we're drawing. We're trying to get uh, a sincere uh, engagement and response uh, from the, the guests that we're drawing. And um, again, some of these will cross over. You'll have artists that kind of live in several of those camps, but they are sort of like different camps. You know? mm-hmm. so that's all. One of the things I respected the most when uh, first working with you was understanding that, yes, you are a very talented creative type, but you've also very creatively grown your business. And I liked how you said, you know, when you were younger, you always had the mindset that, yeah, I'm going to be an artist, but I'm going to make it my work. I'm going to not have that differentiation that I have to do it, you know, for myself. So that's something that's a a really good perspective, I think, for the listeners that are trying to uh, wrap their head around taking their talent and making it a career. So I think. Sometimes people feel guilty about making money with something they love to do. Uh, when I was in art school, they had always used the phrase, what are you doing, prostituting your art? You know, saying, like, no, I just want to continue to do what I love to do. And, 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 you know, a lot of those people who were saying that to me, don't do it today, you know? So, well, exactly. Me and another artist that I, uh, when I first went to Ringling College of Art Design, I hung out with a guy named M, who was a lot of fun. He was in illustration. I was actually in computer graphics. But by then, I was already drawing caricatures. So I took him with me to a bar. He had never drawn for money like that before. Oh. So we went through a primer of here's how you do it. You can do it really fast. And don't worry, they're going to like it. And he would first give me crap about it. So like, what's your, like you said, you're kind of prostituting your 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 work. Um but after one night of it, he said, I'm 100% art whore now. 
That's that's what he wants. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, that's it. I, I love this. I'm, I'm getting people are giving me money for just drawing their their, their quick little pictures, and there's never I'm never going to run out of faces. And that's the other cool thing about that type of business. Yeah. Is like, we're never going to run out of uh, faces to draw. Uh, but yeah, yeah. There's there's a um. What's I have found fascinating over the years is when I've met many artists who are they're trying to build a business or they're trying to grow uh, and generate more revenue or whatever they're trying to do. Um, there's a good chunk of them out there whose answer to that question is to work on their artwork and make it better, which is very noble. We all want to do that. I still try to get better at my art, but the, the um, misleading reality is uh, most of the public doesn't care if your work got slightly better. I mean, your artist's friends and peers might notice your growth. Most of the general public isn't paying attention. They haven't noticed that your work looks better now than it did two years ago. So I'm not saying don't improve. What I am saying is don't expect your business to bump up because your artwork got better. Hmm. Um, I am very, very lucky that I have a successful business. It's in a very good place right now, knock on wood. Um, we represent over 600 artists nationally. Uh, I have plenty of studio work that I do on a regular basis. We've got fascinating clients that we do stuff for. We do stuff for the Detroit Tigers and the Lions and the Detroit Pistons and the Red Wings. Um, I'm able to live half the year up in Michigan. I live the other half down here in Florida, uh, where I'm at now. And um, it's not because of all the people who do this, I'm the best at it. I'm, I'm not the most talented caricature artist, far from it. I'm somewhere in the middle of the pack. That would be a compliment if any of my peers said that. They go, "You're you're okay. You're not great. But you're okay." <laughs> like, I'll take that. I'll take that. I'm okay. But yeah. what I am really good at is I know how to please my clients and customers and and audience. I know how to give a good show when I'm hired by the hour. I know how to produce artwork that the clients will like um, and will pay us for it, pay me for it. Um, whereas like I'm all over Instagram and TikTok and and all that. And I'm amazed. There are so many artists out there that are really good at caricature. And I'm friends with a lot of them. And they're they're I love following them. And they get followed by other artists. But that's the bulk of who they have interactions with. Right. Artists are interacting with these other artists and they're getting good vibes from the other artists. They're getting kudos from the other artists, which is, if that's what you're after, great. But if your question is, I can't seem to be, I can't, I'm not generating more revenue. I'm not making more money. My business isn't growing. My first question is, is who are you aimed at when you're trying to create social media? Because in my opinion and in my experience, most are artists that are just out to please other artists and they're not going to pay you a dime. They yeah. might tell you how great you are, but they're not going to help you grow your business. Right. And um, and I'm sure that that is the same in with musicians and other creative art fields too, where they all we all want praise from our peers. Um, but you have to balance that with okay, now I've got to be a salesperson and I got to appeal to the general audience. And that message is far different than the message I'm giving to my peers. It's 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 a total different animal. Absolutely. You know, one thing I like that you said earlier is the fact that, you know, there are a lot of creative types of businesses. It's not all, you know, painters and drawers and sculptors. I mean, there are a lot of ways you can be creative, but in that message needs to be shared with 
many of the people that are maybe outside the scope of maybe they're they're coding creativity and they're coding you know they're like you said games you know um or or some sort of graphic you know digital art or who knows there's so many approaches to ways in many ways you could say pretty much you know any entrepreneur could be creative because they're applying often combining something or discovering something and creating something new in a creative way i mean even even math in some ways can be creative uh but it, it is important to to know that you do have to go out there and and learn those skills that you've just pointed out to to make it work and you you have to go beyond just saying i'm a purist you know, you, you do have to bring something to the table. Yeah, there's so few purists out there that all I did is I had a message with my art, whether they're musicians, writers, or artists. Very few of those, they just stuck with that one focus mission and you heard about it because they became famous or something. They and some famous. do. It, it, it's certainly do, possible. But, but what are the odds? It's like, yes, and some are, you know, drafted in the NBA too. You know, it's like. Right, exactly. It's it's a very narrow list. Good for them that they they made it with their, uh, you know, strong will of talent. And that's all that they had to apply. But for the rest of us, you got to kind of like, all right, I, I think I'm good enough. I'm better than my neighbors, I'm better than the average person. Most of the people I've done stuff for who aren't creative, who aren't artists, they appreciate what I do. So now what do I do with that? How do I market that? And like I said, I'm always been amazed. And it's it's not just, it's not a, an exception to the rule. I think every successful business out there in any related creative field is not necessarily run by the most talented or what somebody might would say that they're the most creative, most talented person out there. Therefore they're at the top of the heap. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, in fact, I used to get angry with some of my, and it was internal. I never got angry with anybody in the outside, but I was, I was frustrated when I first, uh, for instance, joined uh, the international society of caricatures because I met so many artists that were far more talented than I was. And they were making such little money maybe drawing at a theme park or something. Right. And the, and it's like, this person, like you should be doing storyboards. You should be doing work for Hollywood with that level of artwork. And I'm not being altruistic. I'm just saying if you're at that level and that's all you can do, what do the rest of us have as a chance to succeed? If you're this good and all you're doing is, you know, working a midway or working uh, in an amusement park, a uh, great place to start. But when you get to a level of like, holy cow, you could be doing, you know, movie posters. Your work is so good. I, I want them to find their way, not just for themselves, but, you know, you're kind of leading it for the rest of us. If 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 you can't make it, none of us are going to make it <laughs> if it's that good. Right. Well, that's a great point to, you know, to the our audience, the creative entrepreneur that, yeah, you don't have to be the best out of the best in your field to make it. And, and so then it kind of leads into some of my questions for you, Robert, of, you know, the early stages of your company, Goofy Faces. And I guess this is a, a two-point question. Um, first of all, the, just the name Goofy Faces, I love it. It's a, you know, good creative play on words. And then also I want to know, you know, about the formation of the name, but also when that moment happened that you realized that you grew beyond one employee and maybe you hired your first, you know, artist to go out and draw with you. How, what were those first uh, stages like? Well, the name uh, was almost an accident. When uh, when when I was a freelance artist, prior to beginning Goofy Faces, I was a freelance artist. I did 
tons of freelance work up in Metro Detroit. I freelanced for General Motors, Ford, Chrysler, and all of their tier one suppliers. Uh, you know, So I was doing all sorts of visuals and things. And I wanted to learn HTML because that was another avenue of revenue. Back in the day as the web was just formulating, most of us was doing uh, graphics and things for print. Uh, so this idea of doing stuff for the web was like, oh, great. Not that many artists are doing it yet. Let me learn about it. So I learned about HTML and stuff. And that's when I decided, hey, wouldn't it be cool to have a website where people could order a caricature uh, through the web? One of the things I was doing at that time as a freelancer is I was doing caricatures for people, not as a full-time thing, but just as a partial thing. So I decided to create uh, and build my own website. This would allow me to learn uh, programming language and design and everything. And so I had partnered kind of with a uh, a web host back in the day that could, uh, back in those days, they kind of did everything for you. They hosted your website. They could look up a domain name. They could secure it for you, all that kind of stuff. So um, I had uh, made up my mind to to generate some sort of website that allowed people to buy caricatures over the internet. Um, so when I uh, was researching names, um, I came up with one that I thought was clever. And then uh, I contacted on the phone to my uh, H, uh, the hosting company. I said, I'm ready to, to secure or to make this thing happen. OK, so let's punch it in. What's the name you want to give it? And I said, I want it to be silly faces. And um, they typed it in. They go, it's it's uh, it's taken. I was like, taken? I looked at it yesterday. That Nobody had it. He goes, well, somebody, they're able to kind of tell when people look for names and you looked for one and so they squatted on it. So it's for sale. You can still use it, but they want a couple hundred dollars for it. And back then, you know, I I, I was just starting out and, uh, and it was the principle of things. Like, damn it, I came up with that name. I'm not going to pay somebody for it because they decided to squat on it. And of course, the guy that I was talking to the phone, he could care less about, about <laughs> my stance. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what do you want to do? Um, and I, I literally paused for like four seconds. I was like, goofy faces. It, what about it? Is that available? I could hear him typing. Nope, nobody's got it. I said, take it. We'll be goofy faces. So goofy faces was a last minute spur the moment grab of desperation when silly faces was gone and it was one of those things that everybody goes boy thank god silly faces was squatted on goofy faces is much better so it's a more memorable name and i agree yeah that's yeah. good it's got it's got the goo at the beginning just like google so back in the day when google was just getting bigger yeah um, kind of fit in there and everything so yeah so goofy faces started out on a whim like that and it was always a side project it was it was a website that i was building while i was doing all my freelance work the 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 switch flipped for me during 9-11 that's when a big change started happening because all of the freelance work that i was doing for automotive dried up significantly on the other side of 9-11 everything slowed down all this type of work I was doing for executives that mainly involved doing presentation work, the, the running gag amongst my fellow freelancers, because we were constantly busy doing these high-end presentations that none of us thought were important. I think the automotive industry during that slowdown and then return to normal finally realized the same thing. They're like, you know, we didn't, we didn't have to do all these presentations and send all these executives on the road. It makes no difference. So they um, they cut way back. They decided to just use their own secretaries to create the PowerPoints rather than pay us exorbitant hourly rates to do their freelance. 
So the work really dried up. And so I had to really start thinking about where I was going to get uh, my next revenue generation if I wanted to be a creative. And so I had that goofy basis thing working in the background. Um, I thought, well, maybe I can do something with that. But like, this is like 19, well, no, it's about 2002, 2003. And I'm trying to figure out what, you know, I, by then I had a, a mortgage and a wife and a kid. And it's like, I can't just start over. I can't just go back to school. I got to figure out some way to, to make a living. So um, I'd heard about an annual convention of caricature artists uh, called the NCN, National Caricatures Network. And they had an annual convention, usually in Orlando, and they had a, a forum because this was pre-Facebook, 2004. Uh, and on this bulletin board, they talked about caricature and they talked about the convention they were going to have. And it sounded really, really cool. So um, I chimed in and said, you know, talk me into going. I'm kind of stuck between uh, careers right now. And they were encouraging. And one of them said, come to the convention. It'll change your life. So I went to that year's convention. It was like in uh, uh, February, January, February, 2004. It was in Orlando. And I met all of these caricature artists that had gathered from all over the world to compete and network and take seminars and just hang out. And it was, it was, it changed my life. I was amazed at how many people were just making money hundred percent just doing caricature. I thought it was tough enough just being a freelance artist. And even then I was trying to learn HTML and I was doing print and I was doing graphics for animations because I always felt that I had to have this breadth of creative op uh, options to generate uh, income. A lot of us do that. You know, when you're on your own, you hang out your own shingle. Like what other, where else can I apply my ability to draw or animate or whatever? So it was interesting meeting these artists. They they had they worked festivals. Many of them worked in theme parks and, and such. Some of them ran their own businesses. Some of them were well-known and, and did work with Disney or Mad Magazine and things like that. So I really was like a sponge at that first convention and I met all these great people, made a lot of new friends. Um, and that's kind of where Goofy Faces became a serious idea rather than just a side project. That's when... Uh, I got back and up to that point, I was using the name Goofy Faces if I booked myself out and I wasn't booking myself out that often. Most of my bookings back then were through another local agent. And I knew other caricature artists who lived in the Metro Detroit area. We'd all hang out together. We'd all do gigs together. And we all got booked to the same agents at, at times. I started booking a few of them with myself under my company name back then. But again, it was a trickle. Once going to the convention and meeting actually two other gentlemen who also were booking out artists, but they were doing it on a nationwide scale. I was like, wow, maybe I could try to do that too. And because I got to know all of these artists at the convention that were nationwide, some outside of the country, I had a resource for where I, these other artists I could represent. So that's that's kind of where that started. And then um, slowly but surely, the business began to build when... Uh, as the internet grew and people became more and more dependent upon Google and the internet, it was a great time to have this resource with hundreds of artists because it's a draw for search engines and things. When you have a collection like that, it, it, it's, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a holding point for, for search engine things. So that was helpful. And then uh, I got myself more involved with the international society of caricature artists. Uh, that's what we changed the name to. Uh, used to be NCN, then it became ISCA. Uh, that happened during my 
administration. I ran for the board. Uh, I was its treasurer for a few years, and then I became president and ran uh, as president for three years. Um, and that's where I really was able to parallel helping that organization grow and become more professional. I was able to put into it what I'd learned as a business owner, and I was able to get out of it uh, all of this creativity and uh, exposure to other artists, which helped me become a better artist, but also directly helped me financially because, hey, you, you live in Massachusetts. Can we represent you? Sure. Hey, you live in Texas. Can we represent you? Yeah. So we built a website that allowed uh, customers and in the in the beginning, they could like look through and see all the different samples of all the different artists and and book them for their birthday party or grad party or wedding or whatever. Um, and then back again, back in the day, everything was done with old fashioned printed contracts and everything. It was the next step where I found a really good programmer out of India that I developed a rapport who I still use to this day uh, that we just kept upgrading the website, allowing uh, customers to see all of the different artists by typing in a zip code, allowing them to uh, to book the artist through the website, and then allowing the website to accept their credit card so it could all be done in one step. I kind of tried to parallel everything I'd learned from being an Apple customer. And as they tried to make everything as seamless and easy and simple as possible to get to what you want. So we did that with caricature artists and face painters. Come to the site, find the artist, Request if they're available. We'll take care of everything else. Here's the contract. Just click a button to approve it. Enter your credit card information here to pay down to your deposit. We'll take care of the rest. We then send an agreement to the artist. They just approve it online. We were one of the first uh, companies, especially with caricatures, to make it that simple. Uh, even my competitors who I'm peers with, um, they were still doing it somewhat traditionally. We were We were trying to do things as cutting edge as possible. And to this day, we still try to do that. We're always plussing our experience for the guests, for the customers, so that when they want to book an artist, they want to come to our website because uh, it's the way to to research, find an artist, uh, book them through our website, ask us questions about ideas that they might have. Many of the cool new services that we offer came from demands from customers who said, can you do this? And, you know, you you want to please as many as possible, but a lot of times like, no, we've never done that, but we're willing to try. And then we cultivate it. And now we've got many services that uh, we've added to our repertoire of what we can do because it's been kind of uh, pushed along by the customers themselves. Right. Yeah, I know you've been embracing tech for a long time. My first ever Zoom call was with you uh, when I joined uh, your <laughs> doing social back in what 2019 maybe 2018 and i remember being like what do you mean i've got to pull my laptop up and open it up and have the, the camera look at me so yeah i know you've been embracing tech for a long time so yeah um you know there are a couple things um as we wrap up one you know there if you listen to robert in in the story that he shared there are a lot of really important nuggets for the creative entrepreneur just if you think about, look, he reached out to this large or organization. I, I can relate because I did a very similar thing in the photography world. Mm -hmm. And what I learned from those other photographers, what he learned from those other artists, but then the technology and going with the flow, not trying to take it another step further and being on that cutting edge. Again, a thing that I I did in my world and, and I really appreciate with Robert, but I think more than anything, and this is where I want 
you to go, Robert, if you would, as we wrap up, is that, you know, you, you said that you were not the best at what you did, but, you know, you started. You didn't wait to become the best or at a really high level that maybe you thought others might think before you started. You learned along the way. You learned how to build your business along the way. And you became a better artist over time. I know that too. And so as, you know, if somebody's listening to this show and they're just starting with their creative pursuit, what are the things that you think are important that they should consider right now moving forward in 2023? That's a good question. Um, The first nugget I would share is don't worry if you believe you're not the best. Worry that you believe you are good enough. And that that sounds like a cop-out, but it isn't. If you know that your skill level is such that customers who aren't as artistic or creative as you would seek you out because they can't do it, you're at the right step right there. Pursue it. You will always stretch and reach and improve uh, as you go, you will get better, but you're good enough for now. Now you got to get your arms around all the other stuff, the marketing, the message, the branding. One of the major things that we do now as a business, you know, Goofy Faces is nationwide. We have eight retail caricature stands where we have younger kids drawing caricatures and fa- painting faces at zoos and aquariums and amusement parks around the country. We hire young talent and we're trying to um, engage them so that they realize that this is something they can do as a living. You can make a living as an artist and you shouldn't have to have secondary jobs. You shouldn't have to sell real estate or uh, make salads or whatever. I mean, if you want to do that, great. But if you said, you know, I'd really love just to do my art of this type. It's like, yes, you can. But always, 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 as you want to generate the art, the the, the trade-off is Always look at it from the demand's point of view, your customer's point of view, the name of your company, the the things that you offer. Always thinking of it as how can I make this message clear to a customer so that they can find me and know what I do. Too many artists out there love to get super clever, even with their names. They're inside jokes to other artists. That's a great catchy name, the way you worked your last name into the name of the business. But most customers don't know when they do a search, they don't know your name anyway. How can you make it so that somebody needs to find what it is that you are offering? They can quickly and easily find it and then quickly and easily interact with you to get what they want from you. Brian, do you have any uh, last questions here? Uh, no, actually, just kind of a parting thought. Um, just relating it back to myself being a musician, you see the walls of you know um, guitars behind me. And it reminds me of, you know, those musicians who are are purists and I'm only going to play original music and I'm going to expect, you know, to have, you know, take over the world. And it's like, no, sometimes you got to play cover songs. Sometimes you got to play the bands that are going to make the crowd happy. And that's how you pay the bills. And then in your spare time, if you want to write your, you know, your next uh, opus, you know, do that. And then, you know, if the merit of that gets you there, that's great, but that's a rarity. And we're trying to talk to the, the common people. So, you know, as a musician, I'm thinking, play the cover songs, Robert, you're telling them, you know, draw what the people want, give, you know, give the people what they want, and then you can, you can make a living of it. Right. You always can draw for yourself and other artists. That's what the convention that I go to, the conference for caricatures, that's what that's all about. Um, 
many of them get together, or you can work in your studio. I've seen many artists who post stuff on a weekly basis on Instagram and TikTok of works they're doing, and they're fabulous. Um, but in the meantime, your bread and butter is going to be made doing what other people ask you to do. And I know a lot of artists out there are frustrated by that, but I keep reminding them. It's like, would you rather be waiting tables and doing the art that you love, or would you rather be doing art that you don't so much love, but it sure beats a full-time job. And then on some occasions, I'm going to do art that I really love just for myself. To me, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, very good. Good good thoughts. Robert Bauer, thank you so much for being the 500th episode you know, example. I mean, it, it's, uh, it really is, um, you know, it's been a journey and these are messages that I think a lot of creative entrepreneurs need to hear. And that's why Brian and I show up each week because the show is actually growing. We're gathering our own audience and it is growing again, which is really nice to see. And so hopefully uh, enough people in, because this will be out there for a long time, and hopefully people will run into this podcast and hear what you have to say as we as we we prepare for the one thousandth show coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good well, Before I hope you know it. Uh, We're I hope book- that was a worthy enough guest for your number five hundred. Uh, Absolutely, I I, yeah. I I think it's a it's a great cause what you guys are doing. So hopefully we'll pump up those numbers. We'll get to an even dozen uh, subscribers. uh, A baker's dozen. Thanks, Robert. Appreciate the confidence. (laughs) We'll talk to you all next time on the Creative Entrepreneur Show.